Welcome back to the Between the Mics podcast. I'm one half of your team, Ty Ferguson. I'm the other half, Austin Smith. And we are coming to you again tonight to break down this past Saturday's big win over the South Carolina Gamecocks in the SEC opener and to look forward to this upcoming Saturday's matchup against the Vanderbilt Commodores in Nashville. Um, So just to start it off, um, pretty dominating win for Georgia overall. I think the final score was 40-13 to 13 for Georgia. Um, we really came out and jumped on them early, really quickly, scoring a touchdown on our first drive. Um, running game was a lot better this week. We were able to get some um, chunk plays on the ground. No really explosive long runs, but consistent gains on the ground. I think we averaged five yards per carry, and that's something we haven't done yet this season. So Yeah, we did finally have a couple of breakout yeah. runs. Not, maybe not, you know, 60- and 70-yard mm-hmm. runs like we're used to in the past, but uh, I think uh, Kendall had like a 22-yard run. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say uh, James had like a, uh, that touchdown up the middle that was about 23 yards mm-hmm. as well uh, there at the beginning of the game. So it was finally nice to get some big runs. We've been missing that this year. Um I think we're a lot better better running to the outside than we have been uh, running mm-hmm. next to the guards so far this season. Uh, but it's been great to see that we're actually calling outside runs because it's felt mm. like in the past we've been stubborn about staying running up the gut, but we've been calling a lot of uh, run plays over on the edge or between the tackles, and, and we've had a lot of success at that. And I do think that's only going to improve as well as we get deeper and deeper into the season. Um, it's no secret that we're getting closer and closer every game to Darnell Washington uh, rejoining the fold up front. Um, in addition to just to being a very imposing threat catching the ball, um, his greatest trait is blocking. I mean, he is a monster blocker who can just eat guys alive, get major push. So I think when he comes back, um, we may see some of that offensive line shuffling we've been touching on every week. Um, we may see Jamari Salyer move insides because we have Darnell on the outside. A younger tackle like Broderick Jones or Marius Mims could get away with being a little inexperienced because they have maybe Darnell Washington out there to help him block a little bit. And so, Vandy might be the game to maybe experiment with some yeah, of that, especially I, in the second half there on the offensive line. Just uh, the play at guard uh, in the running game hasn't been incredible. No, uh, and it's it's missed assignments. I mean, and I'm not going to say I don't know the playbook, but I mean, at the end of a play, when you see a guy get up on the offensive line looking around, it's like, hey, what did I do? I mean, I feel like everyone can see that if you just pay attention to the front line. Like you can see guys going on blocks, you can see guys getting whipped at the point of attack on the line of scrimmage. So um, it's something I definitely like. You just said, I think we're going to start seeing more experimenting. I think we're going to see more and more playing time for Broderick Jones. Uh, maybe some Amarius Mims if he works his way up the depth chart. I think he's been dealing with a back injury from what we've heard out of practice. Um, but Jamari Salyer, can, it's a benefit to have a guy like him who can play all five positions on the offensive line to allow us to do that experimenting. So it was a great win over South Carolina. One thing I think we all want to touch on, the, the quarterback controversy that Georgia just seems to be creating for themselves um we touched on it last week that we didn't like the narrative that was in the media um should jt even be the starter should they roll with stetson he threw five touchdowns was the sec player of the week no just just no 
you touched on it last week, all the stats, breaking it down, what the, the defenses that JT was going against versus the, de- the defenses that Stetson was going against. Um, they showed a stat. Yeah, they were very similar. Yeah, I mean, they were very similar, and JT just produced much better. I mean, they showed a stat the other night um, during the game. JT Daniels passing yards per game over 50 more than Stetson in games that he started last year. Our offensive production, we averaged 25 points a game with Stetson last year. When JT came in our last five, we averaged 40 points a game. Um, George Pickens really took off with JT last year. Um, Jermaine Burton took off when JT came in last year. So, I mean, I just I don't understand. And, I mean, George is not doing anything to help themselves with with what we did on Saturday. I mean, pulling JT in a time like we did in the game against Carolina just made no sense at all to me. We're going to go into it real quick. Just on the first two drives of the game, so we get the ball to start the game, Georgia goes six play, 75 yards in six plays and takes two minutes and 39 seconds off the clock, scores a touchdown. 44, JT And JT had 44 yards passing on the drive. So South Carolina gets their field goal. We get the ball back. We go six plays, another 75 yards in a minute and 51 seconds, all 75 yards through the air, and JT hits the long ball to Burton. For some odd reason, we go to Stetson on the third drive. He throws a pick. I mean, when you, I mean, we had gone 150 yards, two touchdowns in less than five, four and a half minutes of game time, and we made a quarterback change. Like, but honestly, it might have been the best result that we could have hoped for in the fact that I think that immediately put the experiment to an end. Yeah. Uh, and- he came in, threw an interception right off the bat, ruined offensive momentum for a couple of drives, and we didn't see him again until the game was well in hand in the fourth quarter. And so I think that pretty much solidified, you yeah. know, the the hierarchy. Yeah. I mean, we, and I like Stetson. I think he's a, he is a good football player, but – there's a ceiling to our team with Stetson Bennett as quarterback. Stetson Bennett should be a quarterback of a Kentucky. Yeah, I mean, like tiered team. We he's not, not a Georgia. He's tier not team. a guy who's going to win you a national championship. And it's just you have to have a special quarterback under center to win a national. And JT championship. seems special. And yeah, I don't know if maybe they think possibly that JT thrives with competition uh, because he did seem to be incredible yeah. on Saturday. This is very subject, subjective. I think that JT has the best deep ball accuracy that I've seen since Matthew Stafford yeah. at, at Georgia. Just, I feel, maybe not the best arm talent. I mean, Eason probably could sling the ball further than JT, but just as far as accuracy on his deep balls, I just don't feel like the receivers have to make any adjustments. It's always mm-hmm. like perfectly in their hands, yeah. over their shoulders. I mean, the one he threw to Adna or AD in the end zone um, in the second half, the one he hit um, Burton, Burton on yeah. was perfect. He he always has great touch. He hit Lad McConkey on a crossing route where he threw it in the perfect spot to allow him to continue running. I think his accuracy is just his greatest trait. His accuracy, his knowing the field, but just I think we we need we have to leave him in the game. I mean, he needs to be in and the it, game. Yeah, and possibly you know it could be because I mean someone really, could mention health concerns. Yeah, it ruined the flow of the offense. Yeah. I mean. The next drive, we came in and put JT in. He we went three and out. I mean, yeah. one, two, three, and punt. I mean, yeah, and that makes sense when you're doing that sort of sh- shuffling, and you have two guys with two different skill sets. Mm-hmm. Uh, but 
you know, some people might mention health concerns, uh, but if you think at this point, if JT's somewhere north of 80, 85%, reps are probably going to be more important than him being 90 yeah. or 95%. Mm-hmm. We need reps with these young receivers prior to the tough October slate yeah. of games. And I mean, even especially now with like more and more guys getting back into the fold, I mean, Kyrus Jackson's starting to work his way back. So, I mean, I know he played with them last year and they practice all the time together, but like you still want to get those live game reps in this year's offense. I mean, Don Blaylock's going to be working his way back. Um, God forbid some some day where down the line maybe Arik Gilbert and hopefully George Pickens. The rumors out of practice today is he's he was in practice running routes. They saw him on the field in a non-contact jersey, so he's obviously way ahead of schedule. These are guys that you want you want a relationship a, like to be building with like our starting quarterback. Like, yeah, not we, not from practice either. Yeah. You want it to be. Game, live game in-game reps because, I mean, the meat of our schedule is coming. I mean, play a ranked opponent next week in Arkansas. Come Going after that, we're going to play Auburn. I mean, it's the it's going to get a little bit tougher. We're not playing Vanderbilt. Yeah, October I mean, like, is now looking – you know, Kentucky had what I think was just a letdown game. I think they were looking – Kentucky was looking ahead to this week yeah. and their upcoming and schedule. Un- yeah, and understandably so. And – I do think Kentucky and Missouri are good football teams, mm-hmm. so I do think that we actually are. We get a lot of talk of how weak our schedule is, but I think October, if you look at our schedule now, does look like it's going to be a tough month. Yeah, my my just final thought on the quarterback thing: we just we have to stop creating the controversy. Let the media talk about it, but we don't need to be fueling the media narrative. Yeah, yeah we we help bring that to fruition when we give them something to grasp at. I mean, Tua. Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence, those guys all won national championships. They don't come out of the game. I mean, the perfect example I can think of, I mean, and perhaps, you know, neither one of these guys are to the level of the guy I'm going to compare them to, but when Alabama had Tua and Jalen Hurts, it was very clear that Tua was the starter and that Jalen was the backup. And Jalen only really came in on, like, in blowouts. Yeah. And Jalen is much better than Stetson. Yes. And so that was – Saban nipped that in the bud. Mm-hmm. And anytime people tried to talk to him about that, he nipped it in the bud. It's yeah. that famous Maria Taylor interview. Yeah. And so they just didn't do anything to help create controversy, and we're just not doing ourselves any favors. But like I said, I think we actually got the best result we could have hoped for yeah. in the interception right off the bat. I think that kind of – yeah, just nipped it in the bud. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, just but let's to, touch on. I mean, the most impressive thing from the game, as it has been throughout the first three weeks of the season, defense was dominant again. Yeah. Uh, only allowed thirteen points. Unfortunately, allowed our first offensive touchdown. Yeah, uh, there in the fourth quarter, uh, but, I mean, which was the one area of concern from the game, and maybe been the one area of concern slightly from uh, the only thing you can nitpick on uh, a unit that's been this dominant is we have allowed some deep passes. Or yeah. some deep pass PIs uh, throughout the first three mm-hmm. games of the season. Yeah. Um, and that was kind of to be expected uh, from what's probably our youngest, uh, most depleted position group. Yeah. I mean, Josh Van, Carolina's receiver, three catches for 128. I mean, that's not the stat line you like to see. Average of 42.7. So, I mean, we obviously gave up a couple of big plays in the passing game to him. Um 
They also had another receiver go for three for 54. So, I mean, they had some success throwing the ball deep and intermediate routes against us. Yeah, and Doty is a good QB. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they do have talent there on the outside. But that has been the one area that, that really is just nitpicking. Because, I mean, this third game in a row so we uh, that we haven't allowed 300 yards of offense. So, yeah. against Clemson, My, we had 180 UAB. 174. They got close today with 296. But yeah, that's three straight games where we haven't yeah. allowed 300 yards of total offense. I mean, they rushed the ball for 34 yards, 80, or 34 carries, pardon me, for 82 yards, average of 2.4 yards per carry. Um, their longest run being a 16 yarder. The leading SEC, returning rusher in the SEC last year, Kevin Harris, rushed the ball 16 times for 31 yards. Yeah. So, I, mean, I mean, run defense was dominant, uh, in which. Does kind of let you know that that game against UAB was an aberration as far as the mm-hmm. Russian front goes, and that we were just keying in on their pass. Yeah, and I think Kirby kind of touched on it today. Kirby kind of made a, a sarcastic remark during the press conference on Monday. If I mean, if it was if he were going against our defense, he wouldn't continue trying to run the ball. He'd throw it deep. I mean, yeah. he'd throw the ball. He'd find ways to move the ball. So, but would he? <laughs> the, the way I think about it that? is the way the best. The best way you're going to learn, the best way you're going to continue to improve and get better is through experience. So I think us having such a dominant running defense, I mean, our corners are going to be put on islands. They're going to get people throwing at them. They're yeah, going you to, want that now. I mean, yeah, I'd rather have it now. Getting that trial by fire, that experience in defending the pass early in the season. So by the time Florida rolls around later on in the year, like we've our cornerbacks are seasoned by that point. Yeah, and hopefully with Taki coming back within the next couple of weeks, yeah. we might see some shuffling uh, of the DBs, but mm-hmm. uh, that'll give us an All-American guy back there yeah. as well. But, I mean, overall, a, a good performance. I would have liked to have seen us covered the spread. I think we let off, like, let off the gas a little bit there in the fourth quarter. Um, we gave up that touchdown. I, I want to see us put four quarters together, just keep our foot on the throttle. I, I was, I'm happy with the result, but I mean, watching the game and being there in person, you kind of have to feel like we, we didn't overall play yeah, yeah, amazing. Yeah, that was the, honestly, the most encouraging thing is that you felt like we blew out a decent opponent while actually kind of playing somewhat sloppy. We had three turnovers. Yeah. Uh, I mean, didn't have a ton of penalties, only seven, but yeah, three, I don't want to say inexplicable. I mean, but yeah, I mean, the interception that Stetson threw was not a good interception. No. The interception that JT threw was not a good interception. No. It seemed like he'd kind of stared his guy down. Yeah. Safety made an easy play on that ball. But I mean, anytime you turn the ball over three times, and I mean, you're playing an SEC opponent, you don't expect it to win by 30. I mean, so I mean, overall. Well, we made up with it in the fact that this year we have had a ton of explosive plays, and that's. Mm-hmm the dimension that JT brings to the offense. And it's nice to see what Coach Monken can do with JT in there with that deep ball accuracy that we touched on. And I think that will only help our running game as we go on throughout the season. Yeah, absolutely. So just to wrap up South Carolina, sloppy performance overall in some areas, but a 30-point win, I'm never going to complain about it. So looking ahead to Vanderbilt this week. So like we said, just getting ahead towards the Commodores. Um, they're one and two on the season. Um, lost to East Tennessee State in their opener, kind of inexplicably. Um, came a comeback win on the road against Colorado State, and then Stanford beat them pretty good up in Nashville this last weekend. So, we it, it's tough to really 
gauge yourself against Vanderbilt. I mean, we know what they are. They're not known for their football prowess. They, they're last in the SEC for a reason, year in and year out. No, I think their academics works against them. Yeah, I mean, we need to go to like a math competition or something yeah. for them to shine um, baseball. They do have some decent players. They have three receivers this year that have over a hundred yards already on the season. No, a great and a great rushing attack. Yeah, I good. mean uh, Rocco Griffin and uh, Ramon Davis, both stud running backs. Uh, Davis did kind of end their second half there in a, a walking boot, so mm-hmm. I don't know if he's going to be able to. Uh, play this upcoming Saturday, but he's been an absolute stud. Both of them average almost five a carry. Uh, Rocco Griffin actually comes out of Georgia. Um, they had 247 yards on the ground against Stanford. Yeah. I mean, I know that's Stanford, and we have the best probably run. We have the best run defense in the entire yeah. country. I feel pretty confident in saying that. I was trying to go through oh. other teams that I feel like could make a maybe a case for that, but I really do feel like mm-hmm. we are clear-cut the best run defense in the country. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So. And, I mean, they do have a returning starter, sophomore at quarterback, Ken Seals, um, threw for 2,000 yards last year, 12 touchdowns. He's thrown for 550 already this year, so they have some experience with a guy who's been there and played in the SEC before. But The I mean, thing with him, though, that I think will be to our advantage is so far this year, he's already thrown three interceptions. And even though we did just touch on, you know, our secondary being our position group of weakness, mm. so far this year we have had five interceptions. So yeah. even though we have given up big plays, they've also made big plays. And so I, I would I would be very shocked if we didn't at least have one interception on the day. Yeah. Um, and I think their offensive line, once again, I think this is going to be the case. We can say this for every single preview that we do. But – I think they're going to be heavily outmatched. Yeah, uh, multiple sacks on the day would not surprise me if we get another strip sack. Yeah, and that's and that's what I wanted to touch on. It's it's stated by coaches, by fans, by people who follow the league. The SEC, to its core, is a line of scrimmage league. You win the football games in the SEC by how good your offense and defensive line is, and I think that's just what the major key is here. Obviously, we're loaded on the defensive line. Just got freaks three deep on the defensive line. I think this is finally going to be the week for our offensive line to just open up huge holes. Wouldn't be surprised if we get a run of 50 yards or more and bust break away. Probably going to get our first 100-yard rusher. Haven't had one yet this year. So, Kendall, Kenny, Zeus, James. I mean, I could see any of them doing it. Um, So, I do think we're going to be very successful running the ball. Obviously, we're going to hit some explosive deep shots. I just, I just don't see. There's not a scenario in the world that Vanderbilt can keep this game close. I mean, no, there'd have to be an earthquake on just one side of the field. We're we're going to roll. I think we're going to. I think again, we're probably going to get up big. Hopefully, have like, a, a, I don't even know. A, well, it'll also probably be you know, with the way the trends have been in the past, it'll essentially be a home game for us. Mm-hmm. Typically, our fan base being so close to Nashville. I mean. It typically has a lot more red and black in there than it does, yeah. I mean, gold and black. The only, the only question at this point that's remaining, I know there was some kind of controversy last year with the way that Vanderbilt canceled our last Homecoming game of the year. Game, they, yeah. It was our senior day. It was the last home game of the season. Vanderbilt had just played a football game like the day before, and then now all of a sudden they didn't have enough players to play. I think from just from rumblings on the people who have sources inside the program kind of rubbed Kirby Smart the wrong way. Yeah, understandably um, so. So I, I, I don't think Vanderbilt set themselves up to 
even have a good outcome. I think we're gonna we're gonna annihilate them on Saturday. It's not a matter. It's just a matter of how much do we want to win by. It it's not gonna be. It's not going to be pretty. Well, I mean, something that could be working against us in this uh, is the fact that it is a noon game. Mm-hmm. And historically, I do feel like we are more prone to underperform in noon games, which is understandable. They can be kind of, you know, just sluggish. You've only been up for a few hours. Mm-hmm. You haven't had all day to get hot for it. Uh, and, I mean, the South Carolina game from a couple of years ago mm-hmm. just looms in my mind. But, I mean, Vanderbilt's not South Carolina, (laughs) even like, I mean, there's a bunch of levels between those two programs, but, uh, I do think that the, the fiasco from last year will play a role in how much Kirby lets off the gas. Uh, it'd be exciting to see Don Blaylock make a comeback for this game. Uh, no, I think he was expected to come back last weekend, but had some issues in his recovery, uh, but not really with his knee, just uh, had his hamstring flare up and um, haven't really gotten an update on that, but perhaps he could be ready for this weekend. I don't think I Also for Darnell. Yeah, I, I was about to say, I'm not too optimistic that we see Darnell or Tyke. I think if it were anyone else, I think they could if we needed them, but I do think that we're probably going to give them one more week of rest, and then them make their season debuts next week against Arkansas in a much bigger game at home against a ranked opponent. But that's just me. Um, it will be nice to see, you know, like we have bordered on disrespect for Vandy, but they, like I mentioned at the top of this, they really do have a good rushing attack. Mm-hmm. It'll be nice to see, you know, our run defense, which has been incredible so far, like playing against a very established run game I feel like for the first time this season because Clemson for all the things that you can say about that program even last year they were not a great running team and that was with a first round talent Mm -hmm. in Travis Etienne Uh, UAB was not a running team and South Carolina I mean we already touched on that so it'll be nice to see them play against a team that actually prioritizes running the ball and I think that'll be good for later on in the season when we play teams where that mm-hmm. absolutely is their bread and butter in Florida in yeah. Auburn. All right. Uh well yeah, Auburn also and in Bama I know they've opened it up with a spread attack, but they still yeah. I feel like a lot of their stuff goes through the run. Through the run leading to the pass rather yeah. than vice versa. Uh so I think this will be really good for them. Yeah. So right now, um Vegas has the spread. We're favored by thirty four and a half. Um I do think we're going to cover that um i think i would even lean if we were gonna if it was a little bit wider i still think i would feel pretty confident about that i'd have to it'd have to get to like 39 and a half for me to start hesitating yeah but i'm honestly so uab scored seven on us on a pick six so they we really defense shut them out clemson scored three and south carolina scored 13 two of those six of those points coming off of direct turnovers by UGA in our own territory. I'm going to go out on a limb, and I think we're going to shut Vanderbilt out this week. I think they're susceptible on the passing attack. They don't have a great passing game because of what we do up front in stopping the run. I just, it was greedy of me. I really wanted us to go into this game having not allowed an offensive touchdown because I felt like the trend would continue, and I felt like we would yes. be going into that Arkansas game 
through mm-hmm. a quarter of our season with the stats saying Georgia has not allowed a single offensive touchdown. I know, and so it just hates. I, I mean, it's very greedy of me, uh, but I, I was just hoping for that so much. Yeah, but I think Saturday the dogs roll. I think we hang another 50 bomb. I'm going to say like 52 to. I mean, honestly, like 52 to zero. I, I don't see it being close at all. I mean, I, yeah, I definitely hope that's true. I hope, uh, I hope we kick it off early and uh, just keep going. Love to see the second stringers in there uh, late in the third. Yeah. So, so but, but yeah, so we're both picking Georgia to cover big spread. So going into our picks for this week. Yeah. So neither one of us necessarily had great weeks last week. Uh, me more so than you. Uh, probably my worst week since we started this. Uh, I went three and six on the week. I got, I mean, just everything wrong. I mean, South Carolina scored late to hurt uh, my uh, UGA covering pick. Um, A&M easily covered, but they had made me nervous by the way that they had played uh, the previous week against Colorado State, and uh, so they blew out New Mexico. I picked Bama just because anytime we had tried to go against Bama. That had gone poorly. Uh, but they actually had a really close, good game with Florida. Yeah. Uh, it was kind of encouraging and discouraging in a way. It encouraged me that, you know, that we can play with Bama. I think we can beat Bama. But it also discouraged me in the fact that maybe Florida is better than what we had expected. I do lean more to the former. Uh, That's what I was about to ask. With that outcome, the 31-29 win from Bama, do you think that that tells you more that Bama's vulnerable or that Florida's better than what we thought? It, maybe this comes from like a naive hope, but it really makes me lean more towards the former because I don't even think Florida is playing their best QB right now. Mm-mm. And I also... And from if you look from the second quarter on, Florida kind of dominated that game and, and statistically. The way, and the way that they were doing it too is running the ball. And that's what makes me think like, Okay, when they play us, we're shutting that down because I don't think anyone's running the ball on us. So that's why I think it's more telling of what Bama happened with Bama than it is how good is Florida. And something interesting, just I'm going to continue to look for in watching Bama games is I, so I listened to the Cover Three podcast mm-hmm. with uh, Chip Patterson and Tom Fernelli, and they made the observation that Bryce Young, and I feel like I'd even noticed it has kind of shot away from taking some big hits. Or, I mean, not even big hits, just from taking hits so far throughout the season. I mean, he's been absolutely slinging it. He's the probably the favorite for a Heisman right now, I'd say. But there's been some times where he's avoided some obvious runs in what feels like a fear of possibly taking a big hit. Yeah. Uh, and that maybe is just kind of encouraging for me for when they play against us. Yeah. Uh, because I don't think you're going to be able to make those choices. I think it's going to be just you're getting hit. Yeah. But uh, but not to go on a rant about Bama and Florida. Just a good observation for what we saw in a game that obviously impacts us to impacts a great degree. us because we we're going to play Florida absolutely for sure. We know that. And but then we think we're going to play we Bama. We hope to play Bama or so. I mean maybe hope not to. Hope they might not be there. But, yeah, uh, but. uh I do think Florida does get more scary to me if they do make the change at QB. I, I agree. I think Anthony Richardson definitely. We we talked. And about I think it. they would have made the change. 
I feel like if it hadn't been them playing Bama and they didn't want to do I that. I feel like their situation that they're going through right now is what we were going through this time last year when we were starting Stetson, but we knew JT was on the bench. The, the better guys on the bench, you know that you have a higher ceiling with the guy sitting behind you, but the guy that's starting hasn't done anything to warrant being pulled yet. So, And I think it was just, I mean, also to steal from a little bit of what I'd heard on the Cover 3 podcast, I think they were probably didn't think the best time to throw a guy out to the Wolves yeah. was against Bama. Yeah, so always a good choice. But to continue on with the picks, um, Miss State last week, was favored by three against Memphis. We, I think we both lost that. Got that wrong. Got the Auburn-Penn State game wrong. I yeah. thought Auburn would at least cover. I did as well. <laughs> I got Central Michigan wrong. You did not. Uh, thankfully, Vandy saved me. Yeah. I, <laughs> uh, I, I, I said it last week. Stanford was the lock of the week. So I went three and six. You went four and five. So on the year, that takes me to 14 and 15. What are you? I am 17 and 12 okay. at this point. So to get into our picks for this week, Obviously, we have starting off. We had Georgia at Vandy. Georgia is about thirty-four and a half. We both feel pretty confident, even with a larger spread, that we're going to cover that yeah, pretty t- comfortably. You touched on this earlier. This is the largest road spread in UGA's is, history yeah, by this, like six points. You said this about. is six. It's by six points. It is the largest Georgia has ever been favored in a game on the road in the program's history. So, obviously, Vegas feels pretty good about it. So, so then we go moving on. Um, we got a LS, we got a SEC matchup, LSU traveling traveling to Starkville to play Mississippi State. Um, LSU is favored by two and a half. What do you got there? Well, both programs have been pretty disappointing uh, yeah. this year. I think most people were expecting LSU to kind of bounce back a little bit this year, but it seems like they've almost taken another step in the mm-hmm. wrong direction. Um, and it's kind of telling that they're only favored by two and a half against this Mississippi State team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the way that they've played this year. And it's just so funny thinking back on after game one last year, the the conversations that were taking place about Mike Leach and their program and just how, like, it was like Costello was favorite for Heisman and that they were just going to pass all over. And that's changed so quickly. Yeah. Uh, they, um, I feel like, are pretty clearly the worst team in the West. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, long-winded way of saying I do think LSU is going to cover, but I think it's just a sad state of affairs for both yeah. programs. I think LSU is going to be win this game pretty handily. I think they're going to cover the two and a half. They looked much better against Central Michigan. Um, I think Max Johnson, Oconee County kid, I think he threw five touchdowns in that game. So I do think LSU is going to win this one. But moving on to a uh, non-conference game, we've got Missouri traveling up to Boston to play the Boston College Eagles. Uh, Missouri's favored by two and a half in that game. I think Boston College is coming in undefeated. Yeah. Uh, Missouri's two and one. Yeah. So. Uh, with that close loss against uh, Kentucky, mm-hmm. which, like like I said, I do think Kentucky's a very good program. Mm-hmm. I think they just had a lackluster performance this past week against UTC. Yeah. So, uh, Which is where we're recording, by the way, in Chattanooga, Tennessee. So <laughs> right here at home. Uh, I think – Missouri is going to cover this, though, um, pretty easily. I'd yeah, say. I think Missouri's going to win. Connor Bazelet, Tigers offense. I love their offense. Yeah, just a little bit too much coach. for yeah. Boston College. So, next we've got A&M at Arkansas. Well, I, I think they're actually playing this in Cowboy Stadium in Dallas. Um, currently, A&M is favored by five and a half points. I've gone back and forth on this game. I've, at one moment, I thought I was picking Arkansas. Some moments, I think I'm picking A&M. 
I don't really know a whole lot about A and M. They were favorite. They were highly ranked coming into the season. I know they have not looked what like what people were saying that they were going no. to look. They have a great. They have a really really great defense. Um, offense has been kind of lackluster so far this year. Did look pretty decent against New Mexico, but kind of is that a is that telling you more about what New Mexico is or telling you more about what Texas A and M is? Yeah, exactly. I think we're going to learn a lot about them this week. We know Arkansas is a quality opponent. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm gonna, without hesitation, I'm going with Arkansas. I think I'm going to stick with A and M. A and M coming into the season was a potential. It playoff. surprises me that it's five and a half. It really does. I think that's kind of high. I would have expected this to be more like that Missouri at Boston College two and a yeah, half line. So, uh, I'm going to roll with the Aggies. I don't feel confident about it. I don't think I'm going to bet it on Saturday. So you think they're covered too? I, I I would take A and M by a touchdown. Okay. It's going to be close throughout, but I'm not I'm not going to put my money on it. Yeah, I think so. it's going to be undefeated Arkansas versus undefeated Georgia. Hey, uh, I mean next week for that primetime noon game. <laughs> if it does, it only hypes up us. It only gives us a better win on our schedule. So, well, hey, don't don't count your chickens. But uh, so next we got Georgia State at Auburn. Uh, Auburn's favored by twenty six and a half. Uh, this is one that I feel like I struggled the most with, just because I do think that sometimes after a loss, you can see a team respond one or one of two ways. Uh, I feel like they can. I mean, obviously they can rebound really strongly. Or they can allow it to affect their season, and just kind of continue on a downward spiral. Uh, I do think. I mean, I obviously don't think they have any chance of losing, but um, I do think that they're they're going to cover on this. Yeah, I'm the same way. I think Arkan or Auburn is going to bounce back. I think they're going to cover the 26 and a half against Georgia State, um, and then really get into the thick of their schedule. They're, and they're about to get get murderers row. With us on their schedule coming up, they've got Auburn or they've got Alabama. Sorry, of course, and then just the rest of those juggernaut teams in the West. But going on to the next one, we've got a prime time in Gainesville. We've got Tennessee at Florida. Florida's favored by twenty and a half points. For me, usually I'm on this podcast hating on Tennessee, picking against them every week. Um, not this week. I think Tennessee does have a good offense. I think. I honestly think the Hayden Hooker guy that is at their quarterback now is a little bit better than Milton. I think he throws a better deep ball. I think they can run the ball. Um, I do think Florida's going to score on Tennessee at will, but 20.5 points is a really tough cover. So I'm going to go Tennessee to cover the 20.5 against Florida in Gainesville. I agree. Uh, I do think that we saw this past weekend that Florida is uh, – a much better program than what we were previously uh, thinking after their first two games of the season. But in saying that, this is a 20.5-point spread. When they played Florida Atlantic, who we can say is definitely a worse team than Tennessee, Mm. they only won by 21. When they played South Florida, obviously, once again, a worse program than Tennessee. They only won by 22. And so I think that they're – we both hate Tennessee – and both think that they are bad at football. But I don't think they're in the same tier as Florida Atlantic or South Florida, which Florida beat by a similar margin is what the spread is. And I do think that Tennessee does have a competent offense. I do think that Tennessee will cover this. So moving on to our next one, uh, we've got Kentucky going to Columbia to play at South Carolina. Kentucky favored by five and a half points. 
Um, obviously, you touched on it, the, t- the scare that they had against UTC. UTC was leading in the fourth quarter in that game. <laughs> I think it was a fluke. I think Kentucky was just looking past UTC, looking towards this game, looking towards their upcoming games. They play Florida next week, so obviously bigger games on the road schedule for them other than UTC. I think Kentucky's a really good football team. I think they're going to cover against South Carolina. I, I think they're going to beat them by double digits. I think it's going to be a pretty comfortable cover. Yeah, I don't know how close this one's actually going to be because like I just touched on with Auburn when I was talking about how losses can derail your season, uh, more so than just in the loss column. I'm just thinking like the way just it can damage players and the teams like Saki. Uh, I think that's ten times more true for a blowout loss. Uh, and that's what South Carolina experienced this year. When they And there's, I mean, this is evidenced by the fact all these teams that came and played Bama in week one in the last decade mm-hmm. end up, their seasons end up getting derailed. And some of that might be because maybe we did have those teams overhopped. But I think a lot of that does have to do with the fact that it can really derail your season when you think you're pretty good and then someone comes in and shows you how much you're not. Uh, and I, I think that might be the case that this program – uh, faces after the loss that they had against us. And I do think that Kentucky is a good program, so I think this will be an easy cover by Kentucky. Yeah. So, last game on the docket, you have the mighty Southern Miss Golden Eagles traveling to Tuscaloosa to play Alabama. Alabama's favored by 44.5 points. Um, we touched on it for a few minutes there a little while ago. Uh, Alabama didn't play up to their standard against Florida. Florida was torching them on the ground. They gave up a big lead and allowed Florida to get back in that game and have a chance to win it late in the game. I can only imagine the mood that Nick Saban's in at practice this week. And we've seen in the past when Alabama has a bad performance, they don't they don't play two bad games in a row. I would feel really, really sorry to be a fan of Southern Miss this week. I think Alabama's going to absolutely annihilate these guys. I think they're going to cover 44.5. Yeah, I'm just going to go with what we learned last year in these huge spreads that Bama has. And that's, I'm just going to, I mean, they fooled me last week uh, with that 15.5 point spread, but I don't think they'll fool me twice. So I'm going to go with Bama again on this uh, with what is an absolutely huge spread. But uh, I do think that they'll cover. Yeah, absolutely. But so that's going to wrap it up for tonight's episode, um, breaking down Vanderbilt and talking about this last week's win. If you please join us next week as we look forward to another ranked matchup. The Arkansas Razorbacks come to Sanford Stadium next Saturday. So obviously Sam Pittman coming back to town. He knows the program. So that's going to be a really exciting matchup. Can't wait to watch that one. Um, but as always, thank you for following thank you for liking thank you for listening thank you for all the feedback we've received it's as we've touched on every single week it's greatly appreciated um can't express how much we mean that so but as always go dogs go dogs